Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, this is Old School. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We are back. Kenny Wilhite, Jay Foreman, Old School, Austin on the ones and twos. Brought to you by the Mercado Certified Piedmontese. Special ingredients and butcher shop located at 84th and Havelock. Every type of meat, every type of cut. 56 degrees outside. Stop by, get you a nice little yard bird, as Kenny likes to say, to throw on the grill. Throw some the steak, grill. Uh, even some seafood. It's going to be a pretty nice weekend up until Sunday. So you can fire up that grill either tonight or tomorrow. Um, old school. We got a short school or a short uh, show today. Again, uh, we got the second half of the Sweet 16, um, you know, going on and. It'll be some exciting games, hopefully, like uh, tonight, just like last night. And so, Kenny, we're going to jump into it. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about that. That that was a game, boy. That that game, we're going to talk about the Kansas State-Michigan State game. Talk about that game. And um, Gonzaga, you see yep. And, and Florida Atlantic and Tennessee. Just give me your overall thoughts because I thought it was – I mean, take the UConn-Arkansas. Yes. But I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take much away from Arkansas because UConn is that team. Mm-hmm. They are 10 deep. They are big and physical. They're off the beaten path because they are up in, in Connecticut. So, you know, generally here when we think of Big East teams, who we think? Creighton, right? Bobby Hurley is the real deal. Just talk about overall the basketball and what you thought last night because I thought it was a pretty good night, not only for college uh, basketball but basketball in general. Yeah, I think I think last night if you can get three games like that again yeah. tonight, uh, I think the NCAA tournament has been probably one of the best tournaments in a, in a long time. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, again, the Gonzaga and the UCLA game battled. Yeah. The two physical. physical. The two Ooh. big men for those – two big name yeah. players for those two teams. Yeah, we're going at we're it. We're going at it. Going at it. Now, Timmy missed those two free throws. I know. Late you. in the game. He, the first one, he, he – he, Brick. No, he sh- – he shot it short. Yeah, that's way short. Yeah. Then I the second one, he bricked yeah, off the back scared. of the rim. Yeah. He was scared. Um, what is it, Hawkins? Yeah. Man, that hey. was probably the name of the tournament. Hawkins is probably the name of the tournament. But those two battled back and forth. And, again, we talked about it, uh, the K-State-Michigan State guard matchup. Man, all that advertised. All is advertised. And that, that's hard to, you know, that's hard to, you know, just say you, you've been it. Whether it's a receiver, DB, two guards. You playing back home, they all know each other, and you know it. Sometimes you know somebody gets in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Somebody you know somebody has an off night, but both of them was getting it. Excellent coaching, very good Tang coaching, and, and very um, good coaching. Izzo, and tough play. Michigan State looked like they were dead in the water. Battled back to get into overtime. overtime. I want to ask you this, man. I know my thoughts, but once they went into overtime, did you think Michigan? This is just, all right. This is Michigan State. Nope. You didn't? No. Nope. See, I was. I thought it was just over. You thought Michigan State would pull it out? Because I just felt like they came back to get in the overtime. Mm-hmm. They had control of the game, but that dude kept showing up. Sometimes you, the battle back to get back to even, yeah. you use a lot of energy. Yeah. Do you have enough yep. gas in the tank? You just like going in overtime in the in college football, football game. Yep. Do you have enough gas in the tank? Do you have enough 
muscle, manpower. You know, like we used to do back in the day. Right. Pound you, pound you, pound yeah. you, pound. Fourth quarter, they're gonna be they're gonna be tired. So our our training took over. So uh, again, two well coached teams. Um, I mean, I, they, to roll your ankle. Like that. Like that. That wasn't like a little no. – that was a major basket. I call those basketball yes. rows. Yes. Yeah. And to come back out and do what he did, a lot of guys wouldn't finish that game. No, because they would have been satisfied with how they played up until that point. Even in the pros. Right, even in the pros. A lot of guys wouldn't have finished. Yeah. They would have just chalked it up and, yep. and then been, up been the, spectators. And, and picked, picked up, up the phone you know, after and then talk about, <laughs> talk oh, about, man, I, I left I, it all on the court. No, you didn't. Yeah. That guy left it all on the court yesterday, right. and he he's the leader of that team. The yeah. little engine that could, that was him last night. Yeah, the, you know, the thing that's funny is that, uh, again, we talked about it in the crossover, is, is obviously it's, he's going to get a lot of the the kudos. Yes. Uh, but his man is Ishmael Musad, though. That's his dude, and he's from Harlem. That's his homeboy. So them three dudes know each other. He's a, He averaged five points a game. But who hit the big corner deep two-pointer? on the kickout for his 18th assist mm-hmm. was him. Now, talk about when you were trying to put together a team, you go down and get your boy from Arkansas Little Rock, <laughs> right, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Arkansas Little Arkansas Rock. Arkansas Little Rock, and then get his homeboy to come in. From Wake Forest. From Wake Forest, but the but the, being familiar with playing with each other. And that's what we, we talked about. He came in in July. Right. So his familiarity with that kid helped right. him a lot. Right, exactly. And then – there was other pieces that he had to to mesh with, and I'm and I'm willing to bet you they were in the gym all of July together. Oh yeah, to get grinding because because these guys see this is there's awesome. no way they gonna get to this point without them being in the gym all of July together. Putting together and this is what Fred Hoiberg did a really good job of this year. And I, I talked we talked about it all the time. <clears throat> I'm assuming he came to a plan with Trev. I want to get more team basketball. I want to get guys that want to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Gym rats love play the together, game. Love the game. He did it. You've seen it. You know I think Nebraska would have had a better chance of playing, you know, with a better, you know, record if everybody healthy. That's exactly what Tang did at Kansas State. He went and got guys that want to play basketball, that want to be at K-State, that want to make an impact. And then also I think what Tom Izzo and those guys didn't – I wouldn't say didn't – maybe underestimated. Now, look, I, I agree with Tom Izzo. When a team's banking in two threes at the end of the yeah, shot clock, it might be their night. But they, they didn't blink, though. No. You know, no, they didn't. But – I think they didn't really understand how physical K-State is. Because when you think about Ishmael Massad, 6'9", 230. Think about Johnson. Johnson. 6'6", 240. Even my man, uh, the, the 5'8", 175. But he, he rocked he up, rocked though. He rocked up. And everybody on that team is rocked up. And so what you're thinking about Michigan State, where they usually had that type of advantage, and that's where I thought like they would be go farther in the mm-hmm. tournament because their guard play started to excel – they're physical. Well, they actually met the team that actually, when they looked across the looked just like looked them. just like them, and then they had two special players. Yep. And a lot of that comes from Tang. I mean, think yeah. about what he learned with Scott with, Drew Baylor yep. and mm-hmm. the way Baylor was able to really rebuild under Scott Drew with Jerome Tang there for a long time. A lot of the similarities with the guard play from Baylor's championship team carried over. Yep. Yeah, and, and so then that's what you need, and because Baylor's always had some big guys in there, uh, you, you know, that are physical along with, you know, depth and big wings, and that's how they're able to uh, pull this game out. So I thought it was a really good uh, first, you know, night of Sweet 16. Um, you know, the one game I wanted to talk to you about, Kenny, also, which if, is that Tennessee-Florida-Atlantic game. I mean, it just looked like 
Tennessee had such control of that game. The first half, the first 10 minutes of the second, second half, half, or actually the first, like, say, six or seven to eight minutes of the second half, they, like, when you watch the game, I felt like they had control of it. But then I kept looking at the scoreboard. They only up by seven. They only up by five. You know, then I was like, oh, if these boys, if they, if they, if they just, if they start hitting Tennessee in trouble. And so here's what I think will happen at Florida Atlanta. I think at the beginning of the game, and you saw this, how Tennessee was playing defense. The refs let them kind of debo them a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some chest bumps and there was some shoving. You saw the, off, um, the flagrant foul too. Mm-hmm. And I think Florida Atlanta, I wouldn't say they were intimidated or scared. I don't think they were used to that type of play because f- Tennessee is, the way they play is the most physical team in the tournament. That's how they, they play defense and they're physical. They're, they want to play in the 50s, low 60s, right? Whereas, like, Florida Atlantic, they want to get up and down and, and do it. But I think once they started to come to terms with it and under, and the worst thing Tennessee did was let them hang around, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we, now, now we're going to make some adjustments. And then they went on that, like, 16-2 to run. Then you knew it was over. Yep. Because the guard play started to come to life. When you have three or four guards that can all can handle it, shoot it, and guess what they did the second half, Kenny? Offensive rebound from the guard position. Yep. And you can start to get second chance points, quickness to get it, long shots, quick and go get it, put it back. Those are like gut punches. Those are the – I always say like if you analogy for football, the third and 12s and you let the quarterback scramble for 13. <sighs> So, you know what I mean? You play defense, you know, mm-hmm. deep into the shot clock. You give up a, you know, junk too. And also when you're not scoring on the other end, the pressure actually falls back on Tennessee, and I don't think they can handle it. What do you think? I just – like we we talked about Michigan State, they used so much to get back into the game that they ran out of gas at the end. Right. FAU used a lot to get back in the game, and they still had something in the tank. And where they when they overcame that – and, again, adjustments – like half-time. you just said, right. halftime adjustments. And even in the second half, yep. we need five guys on the board. Yep, We need five guys to rebound the basketball. So that's why the guards were able to get in there and get a couple of offensive rebounds, a couple of rebounds, period. Because yeah. the adjustments they made in game was what got them to where they needed to win the game. I felt like they used Tennessee's strength against them considering what the scoreboard was like. Because I think if Tennessee was up by 12, yes. they, Tennessee would pull end up – they could just play small ball. Mm-hmm. But since it was so close, I think that part of the adjustment when I was thinking like, hey, look, they were trying – they were only sending one or two guys to the boards in the first half. In the second half, they sent five. And I think the reason why is because Tennessee's size where they had two or three guys, you know, six foot 11, and they had the seven-footer in there, and then they had the six eight uh, forward. Mm-hmm. Well – FAU plays a one big guy yep. and four guards. So you can send five and then get back on D. So then now you're not worried about fast break points. Nope. So that's how they're able to kind of use the strength of Tennessee against them. And Tennessee's not really a good outside shooting team. Because a lot of times when you saw them on the defensive switch, they had their point guard guarding the guy who's 6'11". Yep. And moving them off the block. Moving them off the block. And so that that's what was really, uh, a really to me, a really good game. And I think the uh, the icing on the cake was – or icing on the – uh, on the cake, excuse me, was a Gonzaga UCLA game. I didn't think. Well, remember how we talked about when you you know what get tight. Yeah, Gonzaga kind of got tight at the end of the game. Yeah, they were up six seven. It couldn't even close. It couldn't it. Even, 
couldn't even break the press. Try to throw the ball to UCLA's head coach yes. and then miss three wow. or four free throws down the stretch. Right. Yes. So Look, that was a blind pass. Blind. Just like the one. Yeah. <laughs> Kihei Clark asked. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Sphincter muscle got Man, tight. It got tight. tight. So uh they overcame it. And I mean, the guy just hit a big time shot on well, the bright he, stage. Bailey did too. Yes. For UCLA. Yes. He was balling. That th- ooh, the lefty? Yeah. Clean. Clean. And he had been playing, he was locking up on D, too. Yes, so very good game. Yeah. Um, I mean, last night was, you know, you didn't want to change the channel. Man, it was you did not must-see TV, must see TV it, and so. here's, You know what, I'm also going to give kudos to uh, uh, Omaha product is Hunter Salas, right? Yes. Because here's why. The two starting guards were succumbing to the pressure of UCLA. Mm-hmm. And give Mark Few tons of credit. He recruited to depth. Yep. And also, he said, you know what? You two chumps right here. <laughs> I'm just straight up. I've been in this position, coaches. Hey, you, like, look. Hey, y'all out here playing scared like you're playing against Casper. I got to get some dudes in here. So then he brought in Salas and Smith, mm-hmm. right? And they pretty much won the game for him. Yep. Salas came in and kept, them, kept the game close for them with a quick five points, mm-hmm. right? And it looked like his biggest deficiency coming out of high school was his ball handling. He got better at it. Then he brought Smith in. Right, and he went six of eleven, hit a three with fourteen points. The two starters, okay, check this out. This is why these dudes would finish the game. And, and Smith showed you why maybe he's not a starter, but he will be a starter next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, with that turnover, because that's a no-no. That's yeah. a timeout. Yes, or you throw it off the guy's foot. You don't throw it. Same thing we talked about two weeks ago at the start of the tournament. You don't throw it to the shortest diet guy <laughs> out there where he ducked for UCLA's coach. Yeah, I mean he was like he thought he was you know playing dodgeball. The other starter for for Gonzaga, Hickman and Bolton. You know how many combined points they had? Eight. Guess. Did you already look? Yeah, I'd be cheating. Okay. Well, you're out of it. Zero. Zero. That's exactly what I'm talking to you at halftime. You two brothers came out here and played in a a sweet 16 game, and you guys are starting, and both you guys went took five shots, and they made one between them? Yeah. Only five shots. Yeah, because they was – look, the pressure <laughs> Bust pipes. was busting pipes. They were causing other guys to get turnovers because they were throwing, throwing <laughs> them such bad passes. They were throwing stuff at the feet, and the guys were, were – you, you know what I'm saying? That's why Timmy – he knew his teammates. And I wonder if Timmy told told the coach, like, look, these, these, these put these other dudes in there. Because Timmy just came out and said, you know what, I'm putting in work. I'm just letting you know I'm right now. I'm work. I'm here. I'm going to I'm a work. Kevin McHale you to death and Tim Duncan you to death all day long. Yep. And then I'm going to hit you with a little Akeem Olajuwon double pivot up and under to the tune of 36 points. Jeez. But big-time players and big-time play- games make, make big-time plays. plays. And that's how you are able to push them through. So hopefully for Gonzaga – I felt like they had a little bit of scare in the, the round of 32. Mm-hmm. This was it. Now, hopefully, if I'm, they could get that out of their system because they can't play like this. They got to be able to close a game out being up by seven. And Timmy's probably thinking, I need to hit those free throws. And you, you probably would think nine times out of ten he'll hit it. But UCLA's pressure really got to Gonzaga early. So what do you think uh, UConn going to give them? Nothing but that work. They're going to press them, make them break the press, yeah. and see what they can do. And here's what UConn has that – It's on film. That that Gonzaga doesn't have. They got two big dudes that go to work mm-hmm. inside. So uh, then they – and then they got their own sharpshooters. So this is going – they're going to go at it because here's, what's, here's the thing about Gonzaga. 
They want to get that ball out the net or off the backboard and, and up the court. Yep. What do you think UConn wants to do? They And they want to do it all day long. Because when they got 10 guys, come one, come all, we're going to give you that work. <laughs> That's going to be, I think, the game of the Sweet 16 come Saturday. Really? Yeah. Because can Gonzaga face a team like UConn with relentless pressure and excellent guard play that it, Gonzaga has shown their kryptonite? When you have two – just imagine if you're Hick, Hickman and Bolton. That's two. You're going to take it two ways. I'm going to come out and light your life up because I'm embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like having a bad game in football. Or you're thinking about, man, we played like garbage, and the two guys that backed us up actually won the game for us. Man, is he going to play them over us? It, yeah. Is he going to play? Does they, he like, they, can't, they can't have that mind frame. Yeah, you got to do more coaching to them yes. than you do Salas. And yes. Them. And so that's what's going to be the tell-all in that game, and it's exciting. So first segment – Sweet 16, we're going to dive into a little Husker football. I want to dive into Kenny's mindset of a big recruiting weekend like this and what the mindset of a staff is and do you know ask you, do you have a set number of commits you'd like to have or is it dependent on the player if it's their first visit, second visit? There's some guys that have been up here, you know, Buford's brother seven times, obviously been to games. Um, so, you know, you know, do you have kind of a, a sheet that you try to go through and then talk about it on Monday? So old school, Kenny Wilhite, Jay Foreman, Austin, we'll be right back. You're listening to Old School with DP and J. Download the mobile app and listen wherever you are on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. 